Well, good morning, everybody. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we begin this new series called Playbook. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's been fun to watch this morning all the different jerseys walk in. You know, every week you get to look like the church. Today, I felt like we were the church. We've seen Saints fans, Falcon fans sitting on the same road, Georgia and Georgia Tech fans getting along, Auburn, Alabama fans. Thank y'all for being nice to each other, all right? My favorite jersey that I've seen all morning is Jamie Maddox on our team has on Bobby Boucher from Waterboy, all right? But anyways, best jersey I've seen all day. It was classic, classic. And then Chris Boggess, who's the most non-jersey wearing, he walked in at 6.30 a.m. with a 77 on him like, Chris, it's a Darth Vader jersey, all right? And so he's like, 77 is the year it started. So I'm like, hey, learn something new all the time. Well, we're really, really glad you're here. Today's gonna be a fun, fun day. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take out your uh, little playbook uh, brochure that you got on the way in. That is the easiest way to follow along this morning. Uh, it gives you a little sermon notes area you can write in, but also it has a little uh, a QR code you can scan. Go right to our North Star Church app, and that is the easiest way to follow along. North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store. Uh, easy. makes It just makes all this a little easier. So today we're going to be looking at the first team, one of the first teams that that uh, we have in the church, and it was the, the disciples. They signed up, they committed, they had their signing day. It was an interesting team because Jesus, the coach, right, Jesus went to them individually, and he signed them up. He got them to be a part. They all were uh, very different backgrounds. They were, they were not committed anywhere else. They were fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. There was quite a, quite a collection. There were 12 of them. And Jesus went and he said, hey, I want, you to, I want you to follow me. I want you to be on my team. And these guys, it said they left their nets. They left their stuff. They, they in fact, Matthew gave back, you know, these guys started giving back what they had taken. It's a crazy deal. But they begin to follow Jesus. And he lays out for them over the course of the next three years what it looks like to serve alongside him, what it looks like to use your gifts and abilities to be a part of this team that was going to follow after him. And he lays out for us and makes it simple for us what it looks like to follow after him and what it looks like when we commit our lives to Christ when we say yes to Jesus, really, what comes next? And I think it's perfect for North Star Day as we begin this playbook series. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. We're going to grab a story that happened. And in this story, you're going to see Jesus unpacking a truth through an episode, right? So he was the ultimate coach. He was the ultimate teacher. Basically, he calls time out during practice and says, all right, let me lay out for you what just happened, and let me lay out for you what this means for our team. He's, he's, a, he's the perfect coach. Matthew chapter 20, would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? So if you're new to North Star, man, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you made it in. This is just a normal Sunday. We always have a band. It's great outside. It's, it's great. But what we do, though, is we're going to read God's Word together. If at any point you're reading something that I'm not 
uh, following along with, just look up. That means I'm unpacking it. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Here we go. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the who of James and John. What's it say next? Now, all right, time out real quick. These are grown boys, all right? And so they're probably late teenage years. Most of the disciples were late teenage years. They've been following Jesus by Matthew 20. They've been following Jesus for a minute. They've been away from home. They've been going out on their own. But we have a very interesting episode that's happening now. Then the who of James and John, who was she? She was the mother. James and John, the sons of thunder, have their mama show up, have a little conversation with Jesus about their playing time, all right? And so I know that, I know that we think this didn't happen 2,000 years ago, but it happened. Look at what happened. Then the mother came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectively to ask a favor. What is your request? All right, time out real quick. How many of y'all had a mother that would have had a conversation with Jesus? Raise your hand, all right? And so this is what's happening, all right? Mama done shown up, and we got a problem going on. She replied, Jesus said, what's your request? She replied, well, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Time out. Jesus said, really, isn't that big a deal? But I know there's 10 other people listening to this conversation, but my two boys, they are the ones that you want on your right and left, okay? This is, this is interesting. Um, I don't think James and John are that embarrassed because I think it was their idea to have their mama come fight this battle, all right? And so you're going to see that here in just a second. See, in the disciples' view... Jesus was coming to set up an earthly kingdom, right? He was going to do it here and in the hierarchy, and we're going to unpack it here in a second, in the hierarchy of the way things worked back then, you wanted to be in charge. And so if you were on the right and you were on the left, it was a show of how important you were, right? Jesus answered them by saying, so he says it to them, not just to mama, Says it to the boys too. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Look at their response. Oh, what did they say next? We're able. Time out real quick. Did they have any clue what they were talking about? Not a clue. Not a clue. They had no idea that this man was on his way to die. See, in their vantage, we're going to get all the setup here. In Jesus' vantage, you guys are just a means to where I'm going. Look at what happens next. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or left. My father's prepared those places for the one he's chosen. Verse 24, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant, right? Let me tell you what that means in the Greek. They were hot, all right? And so they were mad. They were stoked. They were, they were infuriated. I mean, what, what makes them better than me? What makes them better than us? And they bring in their mom in to fight their battle? I mean, you can hear all the conversations going on behind the scenes here. 
Jesus, the ultimate leader and ultimate coach, verse 25, called them together. You guys know that the rulers in this world, they lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be, what's the next word? It's not what you signed up for. No, my kingdom's upside down. My kingdom's not what you guys see, and we'll talk about it here in a second. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. All right, time out. Nobody wanted to hear that. Servant is the lowest rung on the ladder. You don't have to know anything to be a servant. It's the entry-level position. So I'm signing up to do this, and, and I didn't even have to, I don't have to know anything. Who do you guys want to say? And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave or your servant. Verse 28, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus looks at these guys and he says this. I didn't come for you to laud over me. I came to die for you. And that's what we're going to talk about. Father, today, the principles that were taught to these 12 set the future of what your playbook looks like. Of what it means on signing day to sign up and follow you. So God, I ask that you teach us. God, I ask that you show us. God, I ask that we don't walk out like we walked in. May we walk out better. And God, may we walk out more challenged to be the people you created us to be. God, we give you this time. Speak to us and do your work. And we pray it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want you to, before you're seated, turn around and find three people and say, I think it's Georgia Tech's year. All right, do that real quick. <laughs> so very important. Get that out. So two things, I walk in this morning with this jersey on. First, somebody said, I thought you were wearing a Georgia jersey. Not going to happen. All right, and so there's something that would have to freeze over. All right, that was number one. Second, somebody walked up and said, dude, you know you've been traded. I went like, Matt Ryan traded or have I been traded? All right, and so it's very important. Cole killed it last week, so I don't want to be on the chopping block. Today, signing day, what does it mean to sign up and follow Jesus? So back during this time, the way it worked is there were the haves and there were the what? You wanted to be a have. You wanted to be in a position of authority because when you were in a position of authority, everybody had to basically come to you, right? And so in these disciples' brains, in their brains, if we follow Jesus and he takes over, dude, we're in the haves, I mean, they're fishermen, they're tax collectors. Jesus is the ultimate, right, rabbi, 
They're giving their life to follow him. And they are, they are now chasing after him. What they don't understand is the fine print of the, of the contract. They don't, they don't know that yet. I remember when I committed to play baseball at Liberty back in 1987, and I committed in June of my senior year. Now they're getting kids in like ninth grade commit, right? This is Liberty just had a scholarship left over, and they're like, we need a kid from Atlanta, all right? And so they go down, and, and I remember reading the fine print, though, and the fine print, it says, you're signing a one-year commitment. Not a, not a four-year commitment. It's a one-year commitment. Then I'm starting to think, oh, my. So that means I got to perform, right? That means I got to do it. These guys have signed up to follow Jesus, and they think it's going to be all this. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Mine's an upside-down kingdom. When you follow me, it doesn't look like what the world says. No, no, follow after me. You're not going to be on top. In fact, if you're on top, really, you're on bottom. You just have more people to serve. It's upside-down leadership. They call it kingdom leadership. You have more people to serve. So I want you to write a little thought down, and we're going to develop, spend the next few minutes developing this thought. We believe at North Star, in our playbook, right, talk about here in a second, we believe you are saved to serve. We believe you are saved. There's no blank for it. Just a little extra right there. You can thumb it in your phone. You are saved to serve, meaning this. If God's only goal of your life was that you meet him, which was the mission Jesus came for. He came to seek and to save those that were lost, all right? If the only thing he wanted from you was for you to meet him, on the day that you asked Jesus in your heart, you're gone, right? I mean the minute, April 1st, 1983, Fayetteville, Georgia, I prayed a prayer, asked Jesus in my heart, if his whole purpose of Mike Lynch's life when I was 14 years old was to meet him, that he would have plucked me up and sent me home. That wasn't the only purpose. Now, he had a bigger purpose for me. He had a bigger reason for me being here. We believe that you meet Jesus to serve. Meaning this, and this is what we're going to spend our time talking about. The minute you know Christ and you are written into his kingdom, everybody look at me, your life is not about you anymore. Your life is about others. No, in the world's leadership, it's not that way. We, people exist to serve us, but in God's economy, that's not how it works. So what's it mean to live out this in our lives? Three things, really easy. Number one, we seek to serve, not be served. We seek to serve. For even the Son of Man came to not be served, but to serve. I want you to write a little thought under number one. Serving is our mission. It's our mission. It's part of the DNA of who we are. Jesus, when he left heaven and he stepped into earth, literally when he calls himself the son of man, he said, I am, I am God and I just put earthly skin on to show you what my heavenly father deems important and deems that matters I didn't come to be served. No, really, yes or no question. Did Jesus deserve to be served? Yes. He, he deserved to be elevated. He, he was perfect, number one. Number two, he was God's son. 
He deserved to be elevated, but he said, I didn't come, I didn't come for you to worship me while I'm here. I came to serve you. In fact, the scripture would call him the, the least of these. So we learned some important principles. I want you to write just a couple of them. Serving takes a servant's heart, meaning it's others-focused, not self-focused. There's a humility in serving, isn't there? There's a humility to it. There's a, I'm giving up what I could get to serve you. And that's what Jesus did. There's a humility to it. And there's a whatever it takes mantra. I love it because on your way in today, you experience that. Most of you dropped a child off. You came in and walked in this room, which is, happens because of our production team and our worship team. All of that took somebody going, I'm going to get here early. I'm going to give up a little bit of me so I can help somebody else. I want you to write a little phrase down. I'm going to develop it. Ready? Get to, not have to. Would you write that down? Get to, not have to. What Jesus was saying to his disciples was, you get to do this. You don't have to do it. You get to do it. So the other week I went to, uh, and I've done camps for 30 years. Every summer I will do two camps every summer because I love being in that environment. It's good for me. It's challenging for me. It pushes me a little bit and all that kind of stuff. So I did a camp called Pine Cove. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pine Cove. They do a family camp, which is the most unique thing I've ever been a part of. There were 32 families from all over the country that came to Lake Hartwell, Seneca, South Carolina, and I was going to be doing the adult sessions all week. So literally, I have no idea what I'm getting into. So we, on the 26th, I get done with our services, um, went home, packed up my car, shot off for Pine Cove. I didn't know nothing. So I come driving on this little campus when I get there, and there's all these college students that are there working in the summer. There's 70 of them. Get this. They work 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day with no cell phone. They get their cell phone once a week. All right. Lesson number one in serving. All right. And so they get their cell phone once a week. It's crazy crazy. And they're like, they're, they're going nuts when you drive up. Well, the kid walks up to my truck and he said, Mr. Lynch, give me your keys and I'm going to take your truck to your cabin. Now I was hesitant to give him my keys. Sorry, that makes me very nervous. All right. So I'm hesitant to give my keys. He said, no, give me your keys and I'll take care of everything. And literally my truck is full. I had no idea what to expect, so I overpacked. I packed like a woman. All right, and so I have clothes. I got way too many clothes, way too many. I mean, I brought like 20 shirts. I brought, I brought waters and power aids and snacks, like Y2K. All right, and so it was crazy. And so he's like, I'll take your truck. And so he takes it, and of course my mind's going, all right, I hope I get my keys back and all that kind of stuff. I know nothing about the experience. And a few minutes later, I go to a session, a kid brings me my keys. He said, Mr. Lynch, everything's in your cabin. I said, that's awesome. And I said, you didn't have to do that. This was his line. No, sir, we don't have to, we get to. 
I walk in my cabin and a few minutes later, every drink is already in my little refrigerator. My clothes, all 40 of them are neatly, neatly, don't judge me, all right, are neatly hung. You never know what you're going to need. They're neatly hung. There's a little welcome basket. The greatest customer service experience I've ever experienced. I've been to Disney training. I have been to Ritz-Carlton training on customer service. Never seen anything like it. But the line that stuck out with me is I get to, I don't what? That's what a servant does. And all week they lived it out. All week. They served these families that brought their kids. We seek to serve, not be served. Number two. When I do my part, we all grow. When I do my part, we all grow. Friday night, high school football kicks off here in Georgia. I'll be on a sideline, been on a sideline for the past 14 years. It'll be my 15th year on a high school football. I love pro ball. Y'all know that. I love college football. High school football is my all-time favorite. I love high school football. I know this, whether it's high school, pro, college, every Body's got a part to play. And every part is important to the team, right? Every part's important. So if your team, whoever your team is, the defense goes, you know what? We're tired and it's hot. We aren't going to play. Could that be a problem? Yes or no? <laughs> it could be a big problem. If your, if your wide receivers say, I don't like to play the coach called. We're going to play a little backyard football, and we're just going to run around till we get open. I know some of y'all go, that's what my team will be doing this fall. But anyway, so, but if that happened, would that be a problem? Yes. We've all got a part. And here's the deal. Every part's important. Look at what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Meaning, when God called the church together, we've all got a role in the body, and when we do our part, the body functions. But if somebody doesn't show and somebody doesn't do their part, we all fail. We all come up short. Can you imagine driving up at North Star and there's nobody to help you park? Can you imagine driving up at North Star and there's nobody greeting at a door? Can you imagine driving up at North Star and there's nobody singing? I remember years ago, I had a buddy come in from uh, Arizona and his old college team out of mine, and they were thinking about moving to Atlanta, which they eventually did. But he said, I want to see North Star like top to bottom. I want to see what it's like. So on Sunday morning, he shows up early. I get here at like 6.30 and prep and get my work done and look through my stuff. We do the services. We're driving home. I'm like, all right, dude, what'd you think? And there's an old college teammate. So they'll say any, you know, good thing about old college friends, they'll say anything to you, right? And so I'm like, what'd you think? He's like, it was a great experience. I said, oh, I'm so glad you liked it. But he said, there is one thing I noticed. And I said, what's that? He goes, you really don't do a lot. Right? I mean, you just sort of talk, and there's like this whole thing functions, and you just talk what you did for two years in my room, all right? You just talk for 30 minutes. And, and I said, You're exactly right. You know why it works? Because everybody does their part. And if one person doesn't do their part, we all lose. We all lose. I brought this binder up here. I know it's blue. It doesn't fit the red and black scheme, but 
This is a North Star binder from 1998. Okay, just to hurt my heart, just to drive the stake in. How many of y'all weren't born in 1998? I love you in Jesus, but I really do hate you. All right, and so it's, it's very hurtful. But this binder has our playbook in it. This were just the ideas of North Star, how we wanted to serve and how we wanted to reach our community. These are just, I mean, these are literal. This is a year after North Star started, this binder. So I've got in here our prospectus, which is how we sold the church and we told people about it. We're like, hey, a new church has come in. And they're like, what, what, what's it about? And we give them this little piece. And it was all about how we want to serve our community. We want to be a church that, that doesn't ask, we give. It was just all, all the stuff. Well, it's just like showing up for a team, right? So when I would do the Falcons chapels, on Saturday nights, there's an offensive room, defensive room, special teams room. Everybody had a role, and all parts were important. When I look back at this binder, I think of all the people that have served those roles so faithfully so you could sit in this room today. Every part mattered. We even had a little task list in here, a little to-do list. In this one, there's one thing written in. All right, that's embarrassing. But anyways, so that's what, I don't know. I think I lost the folder. But anyways, so, but we all have a part to play. Every Sunday morning, there's people on this campus that make this place happen. Some of them, you'll see pictures of them are working in the kids area. And they are taking care of your children. Aren't you glad there's crossing guards and we don't have to play Frogger? All right, every week, there's people, there's Jack that works so faithfully every Sunday with our kids. Esther's Cafe, production, Jeffrey there. Jeffrey was in my youth group when he was growing up. It's crazy. And I've watched these pictures and I go, man, if it weren't for these amazing people, where would we be and what would we do? There's Mayor Easterling greeting there. There's our incredible band in production. Larry Draughty is, is back in the production room. You don't ever see Larry. Larry's back in the production room. He's running all the camera feeds and all that stuff. Larry was my kid's elementary chorus teacher at Vaughn Elementary School. And every week he serves. And we, even online, do you know that there's more people watching online than there are even in this room? That wouldn't happen if it weren't for people doing their part. Every part matters. And number three, we want you to serve in your sweet spot. We want you to serve in your sweet spot. See, when you, if you say, God, Mike, God's led us to North Star, you have a sweet spot. Look at what Simon Peter said. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts Use them well. So he says, use them well to serve who? God left you here for somebody else. The purpose he created you for was not you. The purpose he created you for was somebody you may not even know yet. And when you begin to exercise that spiritual gift, all of a sudden, your purpose gains clarity. And your good 
at something. You're good at something. Here's, here's what I know. When you begin to work in that giftedness, you're good at it. Little, there's a couple little blanks. You're good at it. Like it's something that you're good at. So when I wasn't before my role changed here at North Star in 03, we had Saturday night services. Saturday night service. That was the greatest idea on the planet till there was a really good game on. All right. And so then you're like, oh my gosh, I got it. And I remember one Saturday we were at the little neighborhood pool and I'm like, oh, I got to get up and go to church. And Ann's like, that's not a very good attitude for a pastor. All right. And so I'm like, it's, tr it's true. All right. And so we did Saturday nights. You know what I did on Saturday night services? If you came back during that time, I was the back door greeter and I loved it. I love greeting. That is right up my alley. I love talking to people, high-fiving people, talking trash with people that I know. All right, and so I enjoy that. It's fun to me. And we did it for years. And I remember we announced we weren't doing service anymore. And this is a true story. At that back door, I remember a gentleman. I'll let him remain nameless since there's police officers in the room. I remember him walking out with a chair. I'm like, dude, why are you taking one of our chairs and this was his line, when a stadium closes, you always get to take your seat with you. This is the seat I've sat in. And literally the man walked out, put it in his truck and drove off, all right? And so I saw it with my own eyes. I was a greeter. My wife, Anne, has served in the nursery since North Cobb days. She's been there 25 years. She loves it. A lot of you have dropped your children off and they're grown now. She loves it. I don't work in nursery. I would not like your kids, all right? And so there were times I didn't like mine, all right? And so, but you gotta find your sweet spot. You gotta find your sweet spot. Look, now that you're good at it, you're energized by it. Marcus Buckingham, the great leadership author, says strengths aren't things you're good at. Strengths are things that when you do them, they give you energy. And I believe God has equipped you to be good at something you get energy from. You build others up with it. Other people are blessed by you serving and you find that others will see it in you. They're like, dude, you're right where you're supposed to be. All over this campus are people living out their giftedness. I think of Jay and Margie Bodie across the creek that are serving there every Sunday. I think of hospitality people that stand at doors. I think of people, Steve Kruger, who's an IT guy, but on Sundays he pushes the bye-bye buggy, right? Why is it called the bye-bye buggy? Because those kids won't go bye-bye. All right, and so he pushes the bye-bye buggy every Sunday. He's been doing it for years, years. And you get to sit in a service because somebody used their giftedness and you're like, I, you are so patient. Here's the key, ready? To write this down. Whatever it is, start serving somewhere, ASAP. Here's why. I want you guys to get this. Because your story matters. Your giftedness matters to somebody. Well, Mike, what's that look like? This past spring, I received an email from a family. Here's their story about how your story matters. Check this out, would you? Our journey really begins um, about five years ago when we were expecting our second daughter and um, we received a prenatal diagnosis that she had something called trisomy 13. And um, 
It's a lot like Down syndrome in some ways and that it's a duplication of a chromosome, but it's um, also tends to be um, very bleak with a poor prognosis. We prayed a lot during that time um, and um, one thing that we really clung to is that her days were in God's hand. And so we obviously prayed we would have a lot of those days and that we would have a lot of time with our little girl. And so we were definitely elated when she was born and we got to bring her home and we saw her begin to thrive. But we also then came to realize that our life would be a lot different than we expected. We kind of had been prepared for so long for her to pass away that then we we're figuring out what life would look like for us. Um, and one thing that was a source of sorrow for us uh, during that time, um, when there was so much joy because of how well she was doing, is that um, we could not attend church together as a family. To miss out on coming to a church, on a church as a family was probably over two and a half years because we were, someone was serving and then someone was at home watching Pevensey and then we would switch the next week. And so that challenge of just constantly wearing on you of when do we get to go to church as a family. I went on Facebook and I was part of a special needs family community and I had posted asking about if there were any churches that had a special needs program. And North Star is one of the churches that a ton of people had recommended. And I remember coming on the website and looking it up and I saw that you guys had hosted the Night to Shine, and I thought this is obviously something very near and dear to the heart of North Star, the special needs ministry. And so we talked a lot about it, prayed a lot about it, um, and it was then that I called you, and we had that conversation. And we watched a couple of Pastor Mike's sermons online as well, and, and then after talking with you, it just solidified in my mind. I, I just, I knew, I was like, this is where God is taking us. I remember getting that phone call, and uh, y'all coming that day, you came and met me on a weekday, and I kind of walked you guys inside and showed you around, and um, it's just always so, refreshing for me to, to meet a new family that is coming and wanting to check things out. And, you know, it's definitely always my heart that like this place would feel home right away and that um, it would feel welcoming and that, um, you know, it's my goal for, for parents and, and families and um, just to know that as they walk in our doors that they're going to be embraced by not just our special needs ministry, but our church community, and um, that y'all would truly feel like you have a place of belonging here. I, I remember when we walked through those doors, just feeling that sense of welcome that you were talking about, and feeling like this was a place where we could be as a family together. And um, even from something so simple as when we went upstairs and you toured us around the special needs ministry, seeing the box that you had made for Pevensey with her her name on it and just knowing right off the bat that she was loved and she was welcomed. And bringing Pevensey to, to church, you know, with her buddies that she has, you know, she has a, a, a distinct relationship with each and every one of them and they love her. And, you know, <clears throat> she's just incredibly fun to be around. You know, she has her ups and downs, but no matter matter what we know coming to church that, that her buddy is going to take care of her and that we can go into the main service and truly experience, you know, what we've been missing. Mm -hmm.
I remember this spring where I was when that email popped in my inbox. Play the what if game with me. What if special needs wasn't something that was laid on Courtney's heart, our leader? Then play the game of what if, what if it was only her heart? There's only so much one person can do, isn't there? What if when they went on Facebook, there wasn't a church? And their faith eventually floundered and gave out because they couldn't go to church. Thankfully, we live in a community where there's lots of great churches. What if the people that welcomed that precious little girl in every weekend, they weren't the ones that were blessing. I think they would probably tell you, Denise Kovar being one of them, we're the ones that are blessed. Pulled up to the drive-thru lately that says, hey, closed early when you were hungry. See, today isn't about signing up to make the North Star team bigger. That's, that's not what it's about. What it's about is you stepping out of the bleachers and getting on the field and finding out maybe what you were created for. And somebody's game and life is attached to you. So on Friday night, we're going to kick off their scrimmage game. Saturdays will blow up here soon. Sundays, ultimately at the end of the day, those games, they don't matter. Everybody look at me. This game matters. 